0: Have your Bibles open up, we have been a few weeks on break with brigade service and Christmas carols and AGMs and cafe services, Um, but we are in Corinthians, just to finish off chapter 10 tonight. Now, as you're turning there, we will be looking at verses 23 through to 33, but uh, let me ask you, growing up, did your parents ever take you out for dinner to a friend's house or to a restaurant? Uh, and before you went, they sit you down, and they give you the talking to. Now, tonight, you've got to be on your best behavior. Tonight, all these things you do at the dinner table at home, you cannot be doing out here. Barbara, I saw that hand. Uh, you cannot be doing out here. Now this happens because for most of us, at least I can admit for my folks, uh, how we might act and behave at home around our own dinner table in our house might not always be appropriate or polite in the presence of others. For instance, I'll never forget to this day, my dad thought it was hilarious and stupid at the same time, but uh, when I was in older primary school, I would've been grade five, grade six, I went to my mate, Dan, Daniel, Dan's house, um, and his mum, lovely family, but cooked this amazing looking, huge, just tuna pasta bake with cheese and breadcrumb. It looked awesome. Uh, the only problem was it had tuna in it. I hate tuna. Uh, It it stinks. I I hate the texture. I hate the taste. I hate it. But while at home, it would have been completely appropriate to say, Mum, I don't like this. Uh, Being out, I was old enough to know that, hang on, I I don't really want to do that. I felt embarrassed and I didn't want to offend Dan's mum, Gail. So I decided I'm going to eat it anyway. But a couple of mouthfuls in, I couldn't do it. So what happened was I kept trying to, and they must have seen, like they're not blind. Now I look back, I go, as if you don't notice a grade five or six kid doing this, but I I would sort of fit as much food into my mouth and try and push it to the sides and push it to the back, uh, and then I would excuse myself to go to the bathroom, spit it into the toilet, but repeat that three or four times across the meal. And when I thought that I could get away with it, that someone might not be watching, and again, now being a parent, I'm like, of course they saw me. Um, I would scoop some of it in line my pockets with this tuna bake. So I went home with pockets full of tuna bake to which my dad thought you're a moron. Uh, but I also heard Gail, when my mum came to pick me up, apologise and, and just say, hey, I think Paul's feeling really unwell. He excused himself to the toilet at least four times across <laughs> dinner. Um, I was old enough to know that, hey, I I can't have the same behaviour I would at home, I'm not just going to say, hey, I don't want this food, um, and and at least try to be polite around it. Now, being on the other side, being a parent and seeing my two young kids, I realise the younger the kids are, the less likely they are to be able to behave differently in different contexts. It's embarrassing at someone else's house when food is served and my daughter Phoebe just says, yuck, daddy, what else can I eat? This is disgusting. Um... Or Chelsea, if she doesn't like it, the screwed up face she makes just clearly communicates it's disgusting, and if you don't get it from her face, she has definitely by now thrown it on the floor, on the wall, and onto the person next to them. It's fine when we're at home that my kids don't pay any attention to the knife and fork and cutlery on their plates, Uh, but out, it's a bit of a different matter. Different issues... But table manners in different contexts are what the Corinthians have been wrestling with across these last couple of chapters. And it's the section of the Apostle Paul's letter that we bring to a close tonight. We've covered the whole fact that eating idle food in the context of a pagan temple is wrong because it's part of a worship service. But they ask, what about other contexts? What about in the privacy of my own home? Oh, I can do it. Thanks, Chris. Um What about in the privacy of my own home? What about if I'm invited out somewhere for dinner and that's what's served? Am I to spit it into the toilet? Am I to line my pockets with it? Am I to eat it? What's the go? And this is what the Apostle Paul brings to a close tonight. Is it still wrong or do different rules apply in different contexts? That's what we're about to find out. So let me pray and then we'll breeze through these verses. Father God, thank you so much for who you are and all you've graciously done for us. Thank you that we can gather here and open your word. Lord, be with us and through your Holy Spirit, we expect that you reveal to us the truths that you would have us take on board and Lord, convict our hearts of where we might need to take action in our lives. But thank you for your word and thank you that we have the ability um, to freely read it. Whereas uh, even like... We've heard tonight from Lois that not every country is as fortunate in that as us. Amen. Okay, verses 23 to 26 of 1 Corinthians 10. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good the good of his neighbor, eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the grounds of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So in Corinth and I know it's been a month or more break since we've been in our Corinthian series, um, but pagan temples were not the only place that you would encounter idle food. You'd come across it in meat markets as well as it in people's homes. So although the discussion of whether idol food being consumed in a pagan temple well that's finished Paul has emphatically shown that yes that's wrong do not do it uh, he now wants to tie up a couple of other ends a couple of these other scenarios and to begin with while Paul is always mindful of the danger of legalism and the importance of Christian freedom he wants to clarify and continually emphasize that his problem with the idol food is the idol not the food. His problem is the idol, not the food. His issue is the context rather than the actual content. So when it comes to meat that you bought in a meat market, he says, enjoy it. Don't think twice about it. Enjoy it without any worry. Meat in Corinth didn't sort of come wrapped in plastic like it did today with labels telling us what sort of paddock they were in and whether they were corn-fed or whether they were happy when they were slaughtered or whatever the heck goes on now, it just came. And so he says, your conscience is clear, just eat it. And across these last couple of chapters, Paul has always been trying to make the point that Christians shouldn't participate in pagan worship, but that doesn't mean that any meat that might have previously been somewhat connected to that, is permanently off-limits. Quite the opposite. Verse 26 reminds us that, hey, the earth is the Lord's, and so is everything in it. So in the right context, Christians are free to eat anything. But just as important, Christians are also free to choose not to eat anything. That goes both ways. Christians are free... They eat, but they're also just as free to choose not to. God created it. We can eat it. That's where our conscience is at. But as we've already discovered, that same meat can potentially become sinful if it's in the wrong context. So far, Paul has said you can't eat idol food within a pagan temple as part of a worship experience. He says, look, yeah, admittedly, you're right. Idols are just a piece of stone. They don't actually exist. But he was keen to point out, behind that, though, there is a spiritual element that's going on. And while you don't see it, that is demonic and is the opposite end, the enemy to God. So while your little bit of stone is just that, By involving yourself in pagan worship, you are worshipping something that is not of God, and that is absolutely wrong. But here he says you can, however, with a clear conscience, buy meat from the meat market and consume it in your own home. Next thing he clears up, is all right. That's that's in your home. You buy meat, you eat it. That's fine. Uh, But what if someone invites you around for dinner? In another different context, do the rules change or do they stay the same? This is the last thing he addresses as we close out chapter 10, verses 27 through 30. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I, partake in, if I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced? Because of that for which I give thanks. So Paul just lays out another simple scenario. He says, if an unbelieving friend invites you around for dinner and serves you meat, Go for it. You're allowed to eat it. Like the meat in the meat market, everything is the Lord. Your conscience is clear. You can eat that. But this changes if your host or if another guest tells you that, hang on, in fact, this meat has been offered in sacrifice. Because if this person warning you was a believer, well, it at least suggests that they're concerned somewhat and your then eating of that meat could become a stumbling block for them. Or if this person is not a believer and is giving a warning, it still suggests that they're warning you out of courtesy. And again, you eating off that food could become a stumbling block for them. They could, I don't know, they could conclude that, hey, somewhat, I, I thought Paul was a Christian over there, but he's doing this and eating this, and they could easily conclude that somehow pagan worship is compatible with Christianity. you eating food that's been sacrificed to idols. You're a Christian, how does that work out? And it's clearly not compatible. Different circumstances require different decisions to be made. But again, it's not because the food itself is bad or that you don't have the freedom to eat it, but it's for the sake of loving others and not becoming a stumbling block to them. Now, while we might think this this isn't all that relevant to us, I was talking to people a month ago, Roland and Janae would love to chat to you guys about it. This is very much a cultural thing that they wrestle with. Um, but while it might not be around idle food for us, we certainly need to apply very similar, if not the same, principles. Anytime we go and get a HSP with some mates, um, halal snack pack, Dennis, oh, I had to learn that term. I learned it from James Mendes actually. <laughs> he loves them. Um, Or anytime we might be out with people and alcohol is involved. That's a massive one. The same principles need to apply. We need to be cautious of our table habits and our table manners out of a love for others. If my choice of food or beverage might cause someone else to stumble, then I need to make an alternative choice. As a Christian, I personally believe Yeah, we have a freedom in the right context to have an alcoholic drink. But there's plenty of contexts where I believe that would be absolutely wrong. Different contexts require different decisions to be made. And we need to remember that when it comes to Christian freedom, we are just as free to eat and drink as we are to choose not to eat and drink certain beverages. But at the, at the end of the day, Paul is very clear that only one thing matters, being the glory of God above all else and that this is what we should always be concerned with. Verses 31 to 33. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offence to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many that they may be saved. This is essentially, I believe, a summary of Paul's teachings on everything, not just on food. We need to have our priorities in order, and the most important thing is always the glory of God. So if you are taking part in something that God has given, then do it with thankfulness for his grace and for his bounty. If you are choosing to abstain from something that God has given, then do it with humbleness and out of a desire to not make others stumble. If you've got some Muslim friends and you're cooking for them, go to a halal store and buy your meat from there. If you're with people in a place where alcohol is frowned upon or maybe it's an addiction issue for someone, then abstain from it. If your friend is a vegetarian or a vegan, rather than just ridiculing them, sorry, James Meyer, stop shaking your head, (laughs) learn some vegan recipes and cook it for them. If your neighbor invites you over for a barbecue, eat whatever they serve and give thanks to God for it. Food and drink matter, but God's glory is what matters most. And ultimately, this, I believe, is what true Christian freedom actually looks like the fact that we are free from ourselves to glorify God by being like Jesus Christ. For me, that's what Christian freedom is being free from ourselves to glorify God by being like Christ. And that's my prayer. You guys can come up. I'm done. That's my prayer that each one of us will take into this Advent, into this festive season. Christmas and summer means a festive time and a break to hopefully take some holidays and let our hair down for a number of us at least. And God has gifted us immense freedom to enjoy this time of year. So let's do that. But let's make sure that we don't abuse that freedom and get caught out like the Corinthians did, just justifying whatever we want to do, saying it's fine, even when we know it's not. Let's remember that every single aspect of our lives has the potential to honour God or to dishonour God. There's no middle ground. We honour God or we dishonour Him. With every second of our lives. That includes what we eat, what we drink, our thoughts, how we speak to people video games we play, music we listen to, whatever. Every second of our lives either honors God or dishonors Him. Let's make sure we can honor Him because that is truly what Christian freedom is all about. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Paul. Wow.